Uh, Robbie Slater, a very good. Let's get. Let's leave this alone. Robbie, good morning to you. <laughs> good morning. That's a bit like me, Heels. I can't remember how many own goals I scored. Oh, of course not. Yeah, we're not remembering that. Um, what a great era you had, though, Robbie. Like, you, you know, I, I go back to you and Bozer and then a whole uh, group of upcoming youngsters, whether it be Harry Cool or, or uh, Mark Viduka. Pretty good times. Yeah, they were. And, uh, you know, and your, your era as well was, was a fantastic era well, as well. And, and here's, I guess, one of the great things about, aside from all the talented players that either on my side or on your side in the cricket, um, you know, we grew up in an era free of, somewhat free, probably came in towards the end of our careers, probably hit the Vadukas and Kules who were younger, but certainly free of social media. And, oh, yes. And all that stuff that players have to go through now. And I, I do... I do believe it, it, it does affect uh, the young athletes, whatever codes, whatever discipline they're in. I think the you know the social media certainly has a bigger effect on on you know players' careers mentally and physically. Yeah, massive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is not in your wheelhouse, but I mean, we've just been talking about it this morning with uh, young Josh Giddy, uh, who's on the you know the, the brink yeah, of look uh, at that great example. And, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith, who is the renowned uh, and controversial ESPN commentator over there, he's telling the social media trolls, get off the bandwagon until we know what's happened. Let the NBA investigate and leave the kid alone uh, for his mental well-being. And uh, that's one of the reasons why Wheatbix have taken him down from their socials at the moment because they don't want to attract these trolls. Anyway, we, we digress. Hey, plenty happening in, in international football, but you would have been yeah. saddened like just about everyone else was with the, the passing of the great Terry Venables. Yeah, look, um, he had a, you know, I met, he came into my life, if I can put it like that, or when he came to the soccer, he was late in my career. I, I was 32 at the time when he took over, you know, the the reins of the Socceroos, which was quite incredible at the time in a football sense because, yeah, we were, we were, we were a country that hadn't qualified for the World Cup for 24 years. Uh, we had uh, players playing overseas. There wasn't many of us, though. There was me and Bozza in, in England. Uh, there was a couple of sprinkles throughout Europe. It really was the beginning of, of Terry Venables taking over the Socceroos was the beginning of the careers of Harry Kuehl, who would star against Iran in spite of us not winning. He scored in both, both games in front of 128,000 people in Tehran as a 17-year-old. Um, but Terry, I had a very special relationship with him in what was a very short time he was in charge of the Socceroos because he was brought in for a specific mission uh, to, to qualify us for the 98 World Cup in France, which, dare I say, we should have qualified for, but uh, history tells us that we didn't. Um, but, look, he, he leaned towards me and Bozza in particular very early on in, in you know, when he came into the Socceroos because he knew us very well because we played in England. Um, and, obviously, he'd coached England just a year before, 96, he took... England to the you know the Euros '96. That was the famous footballs coming home, which of course it's still looking to come home. It hasn't come home. <laughs> still hasn't bloody come home, and it's 2023. But it's great every big tournament they still sing footballs going home. But anyway, 
eliminated. He was eliminated unsurprisingly by the Germans uh, in a penalty shootout, which uh, Gary Lineker always came up with a, a very famous quote when he said that, you know, it's quite simple. It's, it, the outcome's always the same. When England played Germany, Germany win on penalties. And uh, <laughs> that was certainly proved the case in uh, in that semi-final. Anyway, a year later, he finds himself with us in soccer. He's trying to qualify for France 98. Um, as, a, as a manager, he was looking... Had him for a short space of time. I wish I had him when he was younger. And there's one common denominator. If you listen to all the tributes around the world... And he touched so many lives. I mean, he not only coached England, he coached Tottenham Hotspur, he coached Barcelona, among other, you know, massive jobs. And and he was also a very, very, very good player. One of the greats okay. of English football, really. And, um, you know, he, he taught, you know, he made a special relationship with the boys. That, yeah, he was, he was a cockney, East Londoner, larger than life, loved his cigars. And he, he really, when he took on the Aussie job, he, he fell in love with it. I mean, he could never really get his head around, you know, things like koalas and kangaroos. He, he actually thought that everyone in Australia had a kangaroo as a pet. And, <laughs> you know, we had to try and we had to try and explain to him that tell him that you don't really have them as pets. But <laughs> yeah, he was. My relationship with him was. He called me Slate, and he'd always call me up into his room after, you know, after lunch. We, particularly, we had this stay in Parramatta where we were six weeks in Camp Hills. You know what it's like when you're in camp for a, yeah. an extended time. You get there's a lot of spare time to fill in, and yeah, you know, Terry used to call me up and invariably be lying in the bathtub with the door half closed <laughs> and cigar smoke pouring out of the out of the bathroom. He'd say, "Slate, take a seat near the desk." And uh, we'd just chat, and he'd want to know everything about Australia. He'd want to know about cricket, uh, you know, because he loved his cricket. He loved the Ashes. He'd, he'd want to know about what he called uh, the alien game AFL, but he was he was so impressed by it. Um, yeah, so he was a real character. Oh, it was good. A, it was a, Pleasure to have known him. He said, well, I've got one of those calls from the coach. You know, take a seat. Do I have to <laughs> have a look at you in the bath? <laughs> yeah. oh, get out of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll meet Talking you downstairs at lunch. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and oh, I mean, his record for Australia gets overshadowed by that Iran game, doesn't it? The World Cup qualifier where you were 2-0 up, then that stupid intruder came yeah. on and ended up, you know, going down. Like so, or three all I think it was, wasn't it? And they qualified through. So, so yep. we've we forgot that he beat Mexico and Uruguay, didn't we? And and then you lost to Brazil. That's right, and that was the Confederations Cup. But we, we still are the only team in World Cup history to not lose a game and the road of, to qualifying yeah. for World Cup and not qualify not for like World them. Cup because we actually. We we went we, we missed out on France '98 on the away goals. We drew one all in Tehran and we drew two all in Australia, which meant that we missed out on the away goals. So we actually never lost a match, uh, which is yeah doesn't yeah. make you feel much better about it. But anyway, it's, it's, no, it, was a, it was a tough know, group, tough group, wasn't it? Yep. Hey, yeah, we've had uh, one of our listeners on uh, Lee, who's uh, prolific here. Can you ask Robbie about Tottenham? and their current little slump at the moment, uh, are they getting the yeah. fundamentals wrong, like staying on side when scoring goals? Well, you know, that is kind of a prerequisite. You know, if you want to <laughs> score a goal, you can stay on side. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, 
you know, if in cricket, Eels, if you if, if you want to get a wicket, don't bowl a no a no ball. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I think Tottenham and Ange. I think the the start we all know was unbelievable. I think it was better than probably even Ange would have expected. But I do believe that would have continued on. But he's been very unlucky, and I, and I said. The key to Andrew's season, and it's certainly not over by... I mean, he's only four points off Arsenal, which is the top. Yeah. Uh, Manchester... Uh, no, Arsenal are top after Liverpool drew with Manchester City. But, you know, injuries was always going to be a key, and, you know, he's lost his best player, arguably. Uh, Son Hong Min and James Madison, the best players, and Madison's out till January. That was a massive blow. He's lost Basuma in the midfield, and two centre-halves that that started the season. So the depth of the squad is being tested. And, you know, would you say it's failing at the moment? I, I guess you would have to say, you know, three losses. You, you could argue that case, but I would argue that the three losses, they've taken the lead in each of mm-hmm. those games and they've gone down by one goal, you know. So they're not far away from, you know, being what they were in the opening yeah, uh, four or five games. Uh, yeah. Look, I think they'll bounce back. Mind you, they do have Manchester City next, which is not an easy task. No, but, uh, have you seen any evidence of him sort of restructuring his style when he hasn't got his top squad? No, there's one thing with Ange. He won't change his style. Yeah? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, Ange was famously asked in the press conference, you know, <laughs> what was his plan B? And he said, well... Plan B is to do Plan A better, and that's that's just what he. He's been a he's been a breath of fresh air over there, mate, hasn't he? For the with the media, hundred percent. And in spite of the losses, you know, three on the bounce now, and likely four. You know, Manchester City at Manchester is going to be a big, big ask. But his press conference is still entertaining. He's cool and calm. He said, "Look, this was always going to be a project." Uh, you know, long term, but he has been a breath of fresh air because he, he tells the truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, he doesn't hide and, and away from questions and he answers them all. Yeah, yeah, that's you, you know his squad better than we would and exactly what's yeah. injured and what, what's left. What do you reckon a realistic ladder position would be for Spurs? Mate, I reckon if he gets top four heels, it's an, an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, he finished eight. Tottenham finished eighth last year. Uh, and the, I, unless he gets, you know, a lot of money in January, that's when the transfer window opens and he's able to recruit, you know, top-class players, which will be difficult. Uh, I think top five, top four, which would qualify them for the Champions League, would be a big tick. Yeah, Brilliant. huge tick. Yeah, well done. Robbie, always fantastic to talk to you. Thanks for your help right the way through the year, mate. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, Robbie. No worries, boys. Hopefully it continues next year. For sure. Thanks, mate.